The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Pet Panorama with your host, Dr. Julie Mayer. Your pet is often referred to as your best friend, yet when it comes to their health care, sometimes we don't understand all of the options that are available to keep them healthy and living a good quality life as long as possible. In our program, we will explain and explore the best care possible, and we invite your participation as well. Now, here is Dr. Julie Mayer. Welcome, 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 all you pet lovers. Uh, welcome to Pet Panorama, and we are going to continue today uh, discussing uh, pet partners. So our episode uh, last week and this week is about pet partners, and today we're going to talk about how pets help us, but also how we help pets. So it's going to be a good show. We're going to have three different guests, so I'm very excited about that, um, and they all do different wonderful very caring and uh, love animals, of course. So, uh, and they're very important people in the pet world. So, we have on the line uh, Elizabeth Seeley, um, and she's from uh, Conservation Canine. So, I'm going to have her uh, come on on and uh, see what she has to say. Are you there, Elizabeth? Well, Elizabeth, are you okay? There, yeah, we got you. Are you there? I am, yes. Okay, hello. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm well, thank you. So, um, to tell it, first tell us a little bit about yourself, Elizabeth. Sure. I am a wildlife biologist and a conservation canine dog handler. I started with the program in 2008 and have worked all over the world with our fabulous cat detection dogs. Excellent, excellent. So, I've... Um, I found, I don't know how, I, f- I just, you know, you're Googling and Googling and all of a sudden I popped out a page and I found, um, and, and I want you to, you know, obviously share this with the listeners, but I could not believe what these guys do. I'm so excited that you're here to tell us about it. So, so let's ask you the first question. <laughs> what is, you know, what is conservation canines? And, and you have a center uh, for conservation biology, Right. Yep, that's correct. So conservation canines are a part of the Center for Conservation Biology, and that is operated at the University of Washington here in Seattle. And the Center for Conservation Biology got started in the early 2000s, and it started honestly with Sam Wasser, and he was trying to figure out a way of collecting scats out of the woods in an efficient manner. And he uh, went to a seminar, and he was working at the time with Heath Smith, and they combined their efforts with a um, get, excuse me, a detection dog handler from the police force, hmm. and they combined the drug training with uh, SCAT and came up with conservation canines or SCAT detection dogs. So rather than sniffing like a hound dog would or a drug dog, which is in certain areas, the SCAT detection dogs rely heavily on wind anytime they're working. 
So, so they're detecting poop. They are, yes. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> yes. Just in case um, anybody in the audience doesn't know what scat is, uh, right. it's poop. It is poop, yeah. And we look for all sorts of species. We focus primarily on threatened and endangered species. And we go anywhere from a Pacific pocket mouse, which is down close to San Diego in California, to iguanas in St. Lucia. Uh, we've been to, um, I'm thinking all over the place right now. So we have uh, currently dogs in northeast Washington looking for wolves. And we have a dog, um, a couple dogs trained for killer whales in the San Juan Islands. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot of area here. L- good coverage. So <laughs> there's there's a lot of coverage. <laughs> so um, I would guess then if 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 you're using the canines to uh, find certain species of scat uh, or poop, um, are you studying their habitat or migration, or can you tell us a little bit about some of the goals and missions? Yeah, absolutely. So the center's primary mission is to focus on research and innovation and public outreach for all of these threatened and endangered species that we're looking for. So we look for a variety of different things that can go from looking at habitat use to population estimates. Um, For example, with the southern resident killer whales, what we're specifically looking at is a bunch of different hormone levels. So we look at their reproductive hormones, we look at cortisol for stress, we look at thyroid for nutrition. We're also looking for uh, persistent pollutants in the waters like uh, DDT, that well-known pesticide that was banned in the 70s, mm-hmm. and PCBs, which are found all over the, um, the place uh, from industrial byproducts. Okay. And we're looking at PBDEs, which are flame retardants. Oh. And all of that can get extracted from the fecal. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, we also get individual yes. identities out of that. So we know exactly what animal it came from. Huh. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Like, <laughs> okay, hold on. Poop is kind of like fingerprints. You know what I mean? You have yeah, it is, absolutely. The, the different species have different kinds of poop and what, it, you know, what you can analyze out of the poop. That is amazing. Totally amazing. Yep. Yeah, it's really incredible, actually, uh, to be able to get the population estimates and then to go further. And if what we're focusing on is a prey analysis, we can go all the way down to the prey DNA that's located in the sample. Wow, that's pretty, oh, that is awesome. But it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of interesting, you know, to what is your job? Well, I examine <laughs> scat and our dogs, you know, sniff out scat. And so it's, it, that's fun. That's extremely fun. Uh, and very it unique, very fun. but it's what a good, you know, bonding system and partnership you must have with your canines. And you're one of the trainers, right? I am, yes. And so that's, how do you do it? <laughs> so first off, all of our dogs are rescue dogs. So they're either owner surrendered or we get them from animal shelters. Nice. And they're the dogs that are really unadoptable for a regular family. So they have a ton of high energy, uh, lots and lots of play drive. Um, they're pretty much ball obsessed. Uh, sometimes they can be listed as aggressive or um, they didn't get along with children or whatever their reason is. Uh, those are usually the dogs we look for. And we take those dogs and we give them a second chance to go help endangered and certain species and to play in the woods all day. So that's the first step. 
The second step is once we get them to our training facility, and we're located close to Mount Rainier in Washington State, we do a lot of um, scent training. Like here, we have a couple different exercises that we work the dogs through. We do obedience training. We move them out into the woods into what we call hotspot areas for the specific species that we're looking for. And each of these steps takes time when we have a new dog. Um, but once you have a dog that's trained for a while, you can put them on a new scent in a couple of days. Interesting. Yeah, so, and it's all ball-focused. That's the main thing. It's all ball-reward. We don't do any treat-reward. So they, so they don't have to be too smart. No, you know, no offense to the canines out there. Um, <laughs> but they, do, they just have to have the good, you know, keen sense of smell. And then yeah, obvious, obviously obedience. So, so do they show you, you know, so, so let's say that you're looking for a certain kind of species of scat and let's say a dog found what you're looking for. What, what happens yep. next? Well, on land, what we train them to do is to sit or to go into a down. So they either lay down right next to it or they sit um, when they find it. And that's a uh, handler's indication that the dog has located our target species, um, fecal matter, and we walk up to them and we'll double-check it real fast and then we give them a ball. Oh, that's excellent. That's it. So, and then you probably, do you have teams? I guess it would depend on, you know, what project you're doing at the moment. Um, it, is it just a couple of dogs? Could you have many dogs? Right. Uh, so it, it does depend on the project. It depends on the area that we're supposed to cover. True. So in northeast Washington right now, we have five teams that are working up there. So we have six dogs that are stationed up there. Uh, in New Mexico, we currently have two teams and mm. two dogs, and they're working on mountain lions down in New Mexico. Oh, and wow. then um, soon we'll have a team heading out to the Oregon coast to look for pine martens. And what is that? <laughs> that is... Um, a little weasel-looking like critter. Um, I honestly think they're completely adorable. But we're looking at occupancy along the uh, Oregon coast for those. And then, so, for example, like that, the Pine Martin, um, yes. are, you're just, you're just going to study where it lives and its environment and things like that? Is, is that your purpose? Or... Again, is is this a species that may be endangered and you're trying to count them? Yeah, so it, um, for the pine martin, I'm not as up-to-date as I should be on that one. I don't believe it's endangered, but don't quote me on that. Mm -hmm. um, but we are looking for exactly what you said, like a habitat use. We're looking at if we can get a population estimate. We want to know what areas they're in in case um, the forestry department is looking to do logging or they're going to contract out certain areas. We need to know how many of those pine martens live along the coast and what areas are primarily using. And a lot of it comes down to the conservation of the land. Huh. That's great. Very, very interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful how we could use these. You know, they're going to be better than a machine. You know what I'm saying? So it's, They absolutely are, yeah. It's, it's better than a metal detector. It's better than a machine. It's, uh, it's so much fun to work with them. Um, so, it, it makes our day. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, what caught my eye when I was Googling uh, was um, when they go in the oceans and they do – they can detect whale scat. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So the program started off looking for right whale scat off on the East Coast. 
And when they realized that they could train the dogs to find that um, whale poop, which is a massive quantity um, when the whale does decide to defecate in the water, uh, that they were going to try it on our endangered population of southern resident killer whales here in the Pacific Northwest. Hmm. And it started in 2006, and we started with a couple different dogs and ended up with Tucker, who's a black lab mix. And he was about two years old when he started on that study, and he's currently 12 and a half, and he's been working with the southern resident killer whales um, since 2006. Wow, holy cow, that's a long time. It is a long time. He has found over 600 samples. Uh, we're actually closer to 700 if you start from 2006 on. And each of those samples are um, pretty much everything I mentioned earlier. So we get the DNA out of it so we know which killer whale it came from. We're looking at if it was a pregnant female, if it's a reproductive male, what their testosterone or progesterone levels are. We want to know what species of salmon they're eating. So we send the samples to NOAA, who does a prey DNA analysis for us. We're looking at if they're stressed out, we want to know how high their cortisol is or how low it is. And we're looking at if they're hungry or not. So that's where the thyroid hormone comes in. And uh, we combine uh. all of that with the toxins that we're looking for to see if there's cumulative effects that are happening to these whales um, that's making them endangered and it's hindering their ability to reproduce or grow as a population. Ah, very interesting. That's, yeah. And that's got to be fun, being out there and you probably, you know, you're in the bush or in the woods and uh, camping or, you know, doing whatever. I'm sure you're not in a lot of hotels, especially if you're out in the wilderness. Um, and the dogs have to love this. This is like the best profession ever. Yeah, exactly. The dogs love it. Um, so do us handlers. That's why we, we do this. Right. <laughs> we very rarely get a hotel. Um, more often than not, our teams camp, especially if we're working in the backcountry. And our dogs, a lot of the time, are sleeping in hammocks. Like, we currently have two teams over in Vietnam, and they're looking for a pangolin. And that um, kind of looks like a, a spiny armadillo. And it's a highly trafficked um, traffic it for its... Uh, skins. Huh. And all the dogs, or the two dogs that are over there, they sleep in hammocks. That's awesome. Yeah, they they just go right to sleep. They love it. Fantastic. This is this is so much fun. I wish, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that probably would be something that I'd be doing. And, you know, who doesn't like dogs? Who doesn't like, you know, wildlife and nature and, and poop? It's awesome. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's so much fun. But th- yeah, this is this is really really great. So, um, can you tell us your website? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's www.conservationbiology.edu. Edu. Okay. And um, you know, can people volunteer or visit? You know, your your area. What uh, maybe at the university or or get involved somehow. It is a little bit harder for folks to get involved. Um, If we recommend an email to us or a Facebook message, we are on Facebook as well. And uh, you kind of have to work with us a little bit more. During the summer season, we just started up a really busy season. So most of our teams and our dogs are out in the field. And we don't usually slow down until about October, November. So when we do take on volunteers or we do ask for help, it's usually in the winter months when things are a bit slower for us. 
Okay. Um, but the best way to contact us to volunteer is through Facebook or through our email. Okay. So, for example, you know, that, like you said, there's seasonal, busy times, etc. You know, what... What is like the shortest excursion that you would uh, take the dogs out on? And, and what is the longest? Obviously, that black lab, you know, 12 years he's been studying um, mm-hmm. and with the whales. So, mm-hmm. it, so anywhere from a few days or months to several years or ongoing? Uh, we have studies that we repeat every, every year. Um, so they don't last throughout a whole year, but it's... Uh, for instance, like we have a study like our Southern Rose and Killer Whale study. It starts in May every year and it goes through October. So it happens from 2000, or 2006 through now, but it's only six months out of the year. So oh, Pepper okay. does work for those full six months with the killer whales, but we do have dogs that do trial studies or short studies um, for three to five days. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yep. So we have a variety of time frames that we work with. Oh, this is... Amazing. So much fun. Uh, yeah, so so you've been um, you've been with the organization for quite some time? I have. Yes. It's amazing how fast the years right? go by. <laughs> that is that is just fantastic. So um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, this has been amazing. I learned a lot and um, I'm going to look out and get on your Facebook and see what everybody's doing and what kind of, you know, what kind of species and poop is out there. And this is just so much fun to uh, to actually, you know, play with the animals like that, play with our canines and, and again, be resourceful for us, for them. Um, and they have a job. That is the best thing. So yes, it is, absolutely. I really, really, really appreciate you coming on the show and I wish you a lot of luck, um, and have a good time. All right, thank you so much again. All right, thanks, thanks a bunch. So, <laughs> thank you so much. So here, uh, here we are. That was that was fun. That's very very interesting. Um, a lot of my um, clients, patients, uh, do a lot of nose work. So there's a lot of nose work classes here in the valley. Uh, in Phoenix and the surrounding um, towns, and um, it's fun. It's it's really interesting how they train, and you know they use different scents and different like essential oils or articles of clothing. Um, it's, it, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's good work too. Very hard. Um, so we're going to have our next caller. Our next guest is soon as we're done with the break. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present and learn to live your life's infinite potential. It's time to experience Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio with host Rochelle McLaughlin. Each week, you'll learn about essential skills and knowledge to help you discover and create your own experience of health and well-being and learn to be empowered to take bold and loving action toward manifesting the life you long for. Tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. We want to hear from you with your questions, stories, and comments. Please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Send your emails all week to Dr. Julie at PetPanorama at gmail.com. That's PetPanorama at gmail.com. Now, back to Pet Panorama. Welcome back, everybody. Um, so we have our next guest um, on the line. And, and here we had some canines earlier that would help us study um, some different kind of species. Um, and now we're going to talk about how we can help our pets and different kinds of pets. And Genevieve Frederick is on the phone. She is the founder and president of Pets of the Homeless. When founder Genevieve Frederick returned from a visit to New York City in 2006, the images of homeless individuals living on the street with their pets would not leave her mind. She wondered how they found enough to eat. At her home in Nevada, Genevieve called food banks that already served the homeless and simply asked them if she could provide donated dog and cat food, would they make it available to their clients? They answered yes. That was the beginning of a long journey to start a non-profit and to grow it, a non-profit group and to grow it and become the only national organization of its kind. How amazing is that? (laughs) Welcome, Genevieve. That is so awesome. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me on your show today. I welcome the opportunity to share our mission with your listeners. And everybody's going to appreciate what you have to say, because that's just amazing. Uh, I've lived in New York before. I know exactly what you're talking about. And you come home, and you're sharing the love. This is the best thing ever. Yeah, you know, it's amazing what one person can do if they have enough passion, and I do have that passion, and I have had it for going on over nine years, and it just keeps growing and growing. But our um, mission, uh, we've come up with a mission statement, our board of directors and myself, and our legal name is Feeding Pets of the Homeless, and that was the original intent, but as the program grew, um, we do more than just feeding, so we shortened it to, so we do business as pets of the homeless. But we believe in that healing power of companion pets and that human-animal bond, which is very important 
in the lives of many homeless. They find solace, protection, companionship through their pets. They care for their pets on limited resources, so they themselves have less. Our task nationwide is to feed and provide basic emergency veterinary care to their pets and thus relieve the anguish and anxiety of the homeless who cannot provide for their pets. And it's pretty amazing how quickly when the word got out to the homeless communities across the country, the number of calls that we get every day asking for our help. That's that's fantastic. And and everybody knows now that you're around and you're here and they can, you know, contact you. Right, uh, right. So, you know, the homeless uh-huh. population includes, you know, we most people have a vision of the homeless guy on the street. Um, begging, panhandling, and sometimes you'll see women, but not very often. They usually stay in the shadows because it's so dangerous. But these are families, they're veterans, they're spouses, they're teens that have been abused. These are people that struggle with mental illness. They're unemployed. They have physical disabilities and substance they uh, abuse um, that make them feel isolated, vulnerable, and outcasts to our society. How many times have you walked by and just ignored these people? They kind of become invisible, but when they have a pet with them, that gives them an opportunity to actually talk with people because that pet draws them in, and it kind of gives them the feeling that I am visible, You know, but a pet's love for its guardian is unconditional, and it doesn't matter if they live in housing or what kind of income they have. These animals are living with these people 24-7, not like my dogs. I have two that are at home, and they're waiting for me to come home. So they have a nice yard, a nice house, but these pets that are on the streets, They're with their owners 24-7. They're out exploring, and most of them are very, very healthy because they get so much exercise. It's amazing. All of our veterinarians will tell you that these pets are very healthy. But these pets also signify that one thing in this homeless people's world of uncertainty is that they have somebody that loves them, that they're responsible for. So they, um, <coughs> excuse me, so they will do everything they can to make sure that that pet is taken care of, even before their own personal needs. Right. The bond is one of unconditional love from these pets. Just as an example, during 2016, we had over 400 homeless with emergency cases, and 64% of those were homeless women, 6% were homeless veterans, and 43%, and that could include homeless veterans and homeless women, were disabled in some fashion, whether it was mentally or physically, excuse me. Uh (coughs) So that sounds uh, fantastic. That's a, you're helping a lot of people. That's very wonderful. Um, like you said, over 400 homeless with emergencies. Yeah. The, it's, so that's 400 animals it's, in one year just with the um, emergency veterinary care. Wow. That is amazing. It's, so, uh, what, you know, what kind of programs do you offer ho- um, to homeless who have pets? Well, we have four different 
programs that um, started out with our donation sites. Um, my vision was to have donation sites across the country that would collect pet food from their clientele. So whether you're a bank or a beauty salon, a dog groomer, a veterinary hospital, a, a you name it, all kinds of business, chiropractors. I have podiatrists that have donation bins in their um, reception areas. Then they take that food and then they take it over to um, <clears throat> hospitals. Uh, food banks, and they take it to other people that um, distribute that pet food. Um, there are soup kitchens, and, and there are anyone that helps the vulnerable population to give out this free pet food to these homeless and low income, because that's where these people go to get human food. So uh -huh. it just made sense to me that they should be giving out pet food as well. Right now, as as we as of today, we have over 440 donation sites across the country, and they've taken over 483 tons of pet food and supplies to home, food banks, to homeless shelters, and or other organizations that distribute it. And we've put a fair market value on that over 400 tons at one point. Nine eight million dollars. So people are very generous. This gives people that don't want to walk up to a homeless person and give them dog food. This right. gives them the opportunity to do it in an environment that they go to anyway. It may be their hairdresser or their dog groomers, mm -hmm. and they can drop off pet food there and know that it will get into the hands of the people that need it so that those pets are fed nutritional pet food and not human food. Wow, that's 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 a that was a lot of tons. That's 483 tons of pet food. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, it is. We've got some people out there that really are passionate, and they want to help. It's wonderful. So tell us uh, about the emergency vet care. <clears throat> well, okay, for the general population, the life of a homeless individual is unfathomable. A homeless individual with a pet, that, their life is hard and their choices are few, but watching their pet suffer is unbearable. And when we get these calls, we hear the desperation. We hear them crying because they don't have the resources to take their pet to any kind of a clinic or a hospital. So our program um, provides free medical care for the animal that the, gar the guardian could not otherwise provide. It eliminates undue suffering the pet might otherwise have to endure. So this is our most costly program. We, in our 2017 budget, our, the, we expect to spend over $120,000. And how that happens is that um, we work with hospitals across the country. So when a homeless person calls us, we ask them, where are you located? Now, we're in Carson City, Nevada. They may be in your state or your town, wherever that may be, and they find us by 
maybe going to the library and getting online and say, well, my pet's in trouble, what can I do? And they find us, and it's amazing how, and we always ask, how did you find us? And it's usually on the Internet or another homeless person found them, or it's on an iPhone that they have um, web availability to. So they call us, and then we determine, we do a vet, we vet them and make sure that we feel that they're homeless because we can't really see them and we can't know exactly where they're calling from, uh, what their environment is. So we ask them some pretty personal questions, and that's why we know if they're disabled, if they're a veteran, and where do they sleep, if it's in a tent, in a car, under a bridge, sure. you know, they'll tell us wherever, and it may be in an abandoned building. But what we'll do then is we will um, call the nearest hospital. If they're in our group and we've partnered with them in the past, mm-hmm. that just makes this go the process move a lot more quickly. But if they're not, then we start call calling in that area, set up an appointment on behalf of that homeless person, mm-hmm. tell the hospital that we will pay for the initial exam. We are authorizing them to do a basic exam and then call us to tell us what the prognosis and the treatment's going to be. Now, a lot of this, the diagnosis includes things like parvo, uh, swallowed foreign objects, poisoning, because these animals are loose a lot, and so they get into things that they shouldn't. Um, Skin problems, injured limbs, lacerations, digestive issues, broken bones. It's costly because... Most of the time, this includes x-rays, lab tests, sutures, surgery, and overnight stays. But when the animal is there, we always ask the doctor to ask the patient, well, the guardian, if the animal has not been spayed or neutered, if this would be something that they would consider, and if so then we will go ahead and pay for that also. Okay. Just to give you an idea, the, those 400 pets that we served last year, mm-hmm. 2016, the average cost was $235. And it's, like I said, it's free to those guardians of those pets. Mm-hmm. And we pay the hospitals directly. So the homeless, we don't give them the money. Right. They go to the hospital, we pay for it at the time of service. So when... We've approved the rest of the treatment, and after we've heard the diagnosis, some. And if it's going to be a three thousand dollars surgery, then we're going to have to say, you know what, we can't do that. But we know other organizations that can help. Right. And I'll tell you what is the most amazing thing: our network of veterinarians. They just go above and beyond because when we get. Um, a homeless situation where it's going to be over the amount that we can afford, uh, they will write off the difference. So I have to tell you that in working with these hospitals this last year, we worked with 150 hospitals in 26 states, and they discounted their services to the tune of over $24,000. So we asked them to give us a discount, but sometimes when these procedures go way past, and there we're talking thousands of dollars, they just write it off. Here's a good example. We had a little dog, a a wired-haired terrier named Pocket, and Pocket was living in the car with her mom, 
who is a homeless person, and the uh, door of the vehicle got slammed on the little dog. And so she required her hip to be pinned. So the quote from the hospital was going to be over $1,700. And they were, the dog was in pain. The vet is so compassionate about what he does. He said, give me what you can and we'll write off the rest. And that's just one that's... of many, many examples. And if people want to hear more about and read more about that kind of those cases, they can sign up on our website and um, subscribe to our monthly e newsletter. So you'll get an email every month. It'll give you pictures. It'll give you history. It'll give you a lot of information about what's going on with all these animals that we treat. And, and the how- great thing about our program is that, that pets are treated in their community, and the veterinarians are paid directly. And they always, you know, we won't work with a hospital that won't give us a discount because we're a nonprofit. We don't take any funds from the government at all. All the donations that we get are from private individuals like your listeners, from family foundations that we write grants to. That's it. So when we have to get some kind of a discount when we work with these hospitals. But the great thing about the program is it allows for immediate treatment. Right. And it reduces, because while they're there, we always tell the vet to update their vaccinations. So this is keeping communities safe from um, diseases that otherwise would be left untouched. Half of these animals have never (laughs) been to a vet in their life. So now they're getting that opportunity to get these vaccinations for the first right. time. And it's because of donations from the public that we're, we're able to do this. So then the listeners can go to the to your website. Um, yeah, that and, is petsofthehomeless.org. Okay, and then that's where they can donate. They can yes, sign up for... Can donate off of our website um, that... Or they can go to the website, find our address, and mail us a check. Okay. That way you're sure to get 100% of your donation comes to our office. If it goes through um, a website or PayPal or any of those other, that third party always okay. gets a fee. Right. And people don't realize that. Okay. But that is a fact. So we always encourage people to send us checks. And just as a sideline, I can tell you, and people can go on our website and pull up our 990, which is the um, nonprofit tax form. And you can see on that 990 that 84 cents of every dollar that you give us goes directly to one of our four programs. So well, that's, that's, that's um, fantastic. This has been uh, wonderful meeting you, wonderful information. You're helping not only pets, but... Uh, humans too so in in pet owners and homeless people and veterans so i i love it i love what you have created i think this is amazing and i'm glad that we were able to share this with our listeners so we're gonna we're gonna take a break and if you want to hang on and and meet the meet our other guests that's fine but genevieve this has been amazing thank you so much oh you're very welcome thank you take care take care yourself bye-bye bye-bye happy Thank you, you too.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. your health where you think it should be if you're like most people the answer is probably not where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track the answers start on occupy health each week host dr susan downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider you'll want to plan for your optimal health with occupy health listen fridays at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on voice america health and wellness Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. We want to hear from you with your questions, stories, and comments. Please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Send your emails all week to Dr. Julie at PetPanorama at gmail.com. That's PetPanorama at gmail.com. Now, back to Pet Panorama. Welcome back. Welcome back, listeners. So I'm learning a lot. Um, I mean, a a lot of cool people. And we have another cool people who's on hold right now and going to join the show. So uh, let's welcome Melissa Thompson. She's a DVM in here in Arizona. And she's involved with the Arizona Humane Society. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you, Dr. Julie. So tell me, uh, what do you do? What, what is the Arizona Humane Society? Well, the Arizona Humane Society is a super huge organization. Uh, first and foremost, we are not part of the Humane Society of the United States. A lot of people get that hmm. kind of confused, and they think that um, HSUS, which is the Humane Society of the United States, actually runs all of the local humane societies, and that's not the case. We are an independent organization, um, and we are 100% run on donations from our wonderful people here in Arizona and, and all over the country. Um, wow. We have so many different programs. It's, it's kind of hard. Where, where do you start? Um, right. Obviously. Yeah, obviously, you know, people think of us as a place to come and adopt a pet, and that's 100% for sure. Um, But we have lots of other areas that we specialize in as well. Uh, One of the big things that we are is we are actually the largest shelter-based trauma hospital in the Southwest. We have Second Chance Animal Trauma Hospital. And here in our trauma hospital, we take in over 11,000 animals. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot. Totally. If anybody has ever visited us, we're a very small location, so that's a lot of critters coming through our doors. Um, 
Wow. One of the biggest questions that I get asked regularly, they think that because I'm a shelter veterinarian that all I do is spays and neuters. And I will tell you, I hardly ever do spays and neuters. Um, I work in the trauma hospital, and we take care of all the sick and injured strays of Maricopa County. So, wow. Um, That's a big yeah, county. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, right? It is. And those animals get to us by different means, um, either from good SAMs that find them on the roads mm-hmm. and wandering through the neighborhoods. They'll bring them in over the counter for us. Mm-hmm. Or we do have a program, our emergency animal medical technicians. Uh, they mm-hmm. are unique to us. Oh, that's nice. They, yeah, we have, a, we have a huge department. Um, they have a dispatch unit, and we get calls in on, you know, the sick and injured strays as well as cruelty investigations and, and those types of things. Um, and our our staff, our EAMTs, as we call them, go out to these calls and bring those animals back to us. They do investigations. Uh, they do actual, you know, pick, picking up of the animals. Um, so they're specialized um, in their in their little area there. Right. And they do. And actually, um, this is if anybody's interested in what they do. We have been on Animal Planet this this season. Uh, we have they did come and film with us, and we are on or we're Animal Cops Phoenix. So if anybody wants to take a peek and see what our EAMTs and what our Second Chance Animal Trauma Hospital does uh, firsthand, they can take a peek at that on Animal Planet. Oh, that's um, way cool. Yeah, it was definitely a, it's definitely been a really good experience. Even for me, you know, I work in the hospital, but I haven't been out with our EAMTs. And so it gave me the opportunity to see what my teammates are doing out in the field and gave me a better appreciation for what they do on a day-to-day basis. So do they get dispatched? You know, how does that work? Or is it is it almost like an ambulance? It definitely is. Um, huh. we, have a, we have a call center, and, you know, people call if they have a sick or injured. Um, they also call, again, for cruelty investigations, and those are the, those are the worst ones. Wow. Um, but, and then our dispatch unit determines, you know, who who's, takes priority, and then our trucks go all over the valley. Um, it's pretty incredible the, the span of which they go on a daily basis. So, and then those guys, then they bring them on back to us, and we do the assessments and treat them here in the hospital. Wow. That's amazing. Are you busy all the time then? Uh, pretty much. Yeah, we want we run. Um, we're not quite twenty four seven, but okay. um, we are. The, this the trauma hospital is going from six a.m. until eight p.m. Okay. and we are running three hundred and sixty five days a year. Uh, we never get days off. But um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we congratulate you on your uh, de- you know devotion and dedication. Definitely, this is this is awesome. This is amazing. So, what would what's like the average cost of care you know for for each of these animals that you would take in? Um, because we do service a different type of animal than most other rescues do, uh, we do have we do tend to have a little bit higher cost. So our average cost right now per animal runs about eight hundred and eighty five dollars, um, and that that is pretty steep. But again, we are taking care of the sick and injured animals. You know, we're not getting these healthy dogs and cats that are coming in and just kind of going through and getting put up for adoption. Our focus is the sick guys, um, and included in that is we have some other programs that we've initiated over the past couple of years um, that have kind of led to some of those increase in costs, if you will. Um, some of those conditions, we do have a puppy parvi puppy parvo ICU center. So where we used to have to euthanize dogs with parvo, we actually are able to treat them now in our facility. We have a specific, um, we have a specific room with specific technicians and that's all they do all day wow. is take care of, of parvo puppies. So that's that excellent. is really yeah, it's really changed the, 
changed things for us and obviously for those babies because it would be heartbreaking to have to euthanize those little guys and now we are actually able to save them and we have a pretty good survival rate. Uh, we're running at around um, 87, 88% survival rate, which if anybody's familiar with Parvo, that's a pretty good rate. Uh, um, yeah, that's a shocking number to me. That is amazing. Great. Yeah, and, and the, our technicians are so dedicated back there. We're really fortunate to have them. Um, another thing that we just opened up this uh, within the past month, time goes by so fast, is our bottle baby nursery. Um, so where we used to, again, when we'd get all these little bottle babies that came in, we didn't have staff or volunteers to care for them. We were able to partner with some of our rescue groups to help mm-hmm. us out. But, you know, the influx of them is so great this time of year that we just oh, couldn't, true. We couldn't get enough help to take care of them. So now we actually have a dedicated nursery for them. Again, dedicated technicians, dedicated wow. volunteers that are here 20, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, feeding these babies um, to make sure that they get as much care as they can and, and nurse them up to the good enough size to get them spayed and neutered and adopted out. Amazing, amazing. That's this takes a village. This is it a vi- it is a village. It, it is a village, and it's it's pretty incredible. Again, if anybody has ever seen our facility, it's it's older. It's in an older part of town, and it's just kind of we've been adding things here and there. And when you get behind the doors, you'd be amazed at what actually goes on behind behind the scenes. Wow, um, it's it's incredible how everybody works together and how we've been able to save these animals. Kudos, kudos, kudos. This is this is really really awesome. So. With all this good work and all these different wings on your buildings um, with, you know, the ICUs, um, do you see now that the euthanasia rate has declined? Uh, we definitely have seen a decrease over the past four years with some changes in, in how we um, take care of these animals and what we're able to actually work with. We've seen a decrease of about 84% in euthanasia over the past four years, which is significant. Uh, that's a huge number. And that's, that's things that we have implemented in our shelter specifically. And also we're part of an alliance. It's mm. the Alliance for Companion Animals and the Fix, Adopt, Save initiative. Hmm. And so there's multiple organizations that are involved. Um, it, we've got ourselves, uh, Maricopa County Animal Care and Control, HALO, um, AAWL, PAC 911, Altered Tales and the um, Animal Defense League of Arizona, they are all part of this coalition and the hopes of trying to end needless euthanasia and help as many pets as we can. So where do you get, uh, is, do you get funding from all of those different entities or... No. Who supports no, we're you guys? Actually, all kind of we're all kind of on our own, and we're all getting funding from you know we're all getting funding from donors. Uh, that's, just just donors. Know, yeah, it is. Wow, it is the kindness of donors that we're able to do this. So while we get the kudos because we're hands on, right? I mean, we're we're extending the kudos out to the people who are able to keep us funded and keep us going because without them, we wouldn't be able to save these animals. Holy cow! That's this. Like I said, this is a village in in. And it's supported by donors. Amazing. And definitely kudos to um, the donors that have donated, future donors, uh, as far as supporting um, these shelters and the Humane Society. And, uh, you know, can they volunteer even? You know, are you able to have a public around or how, how does that go, Melissa? Oh, for sure. Um, we're, I mean, again, when you talk about a village, the amount of volunteer hours um, that we need to help 
get us through these situations. Like I said, we've got volunteers that are back in bottle babies. All they do are feed little tiny baby kittens all day, you know. Um, And our volunteer base stretches so far. Uh, We've got people that are walking dogs, helping with adoptions, helping with off-site events. Um, Our big need is for foster homes. Um, You know, we treat a lot of different conditions, and we have animals that have broken legs that may have been fixed or broken pelvis that they need time to heal from or different, you know, conditions or post-surgery, and they need to go into a foster home to better recoup because obviously it's going to be easier to recoup in a non-stressful area at home where you're going to be getting love versus being in a kennel in a large facility, right? Right. So we try to send these guys out as much as we can to foster homes. And last year, more than 3,000 pets went into foster homes for us to help get those guys along their way and help get them to the next step of being adopted. So, you know, we're always in need of more fostering. The more that we can get out to our fosters, the more difficult cases we can start treating mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. helping. And um, it just, it does, it takes everybody. It's a, it's a partnership of, of ev- all of the teams here, all of the local shelters and the community as a whole for both volunteering and donating to help the big problem that we've had with pet overpopulation here in Maricopa County. How awesome. So if you wanted to be, you know, a foster family, um, how do you go about that? Um, anybody could go to our website, www.azhumane.org, and actually we have just implemented a couple of new programs with our fostering. Um, we do have online foster orientation available now, so instead of having to come on in on a specific day of the month and sit down and go through that, you can do that online. And we've also uploaded our foster list. So the animals that are in need of foster is now available to see online as well. So Hmm. that sometimes might, you know, stir somebody up if you're specifically a fan of Dobermans or Australian Shepherds or something. And you see somebody on there that needs help, then you can, hey, wait a second, I want to foster that guy. And there's a little description of what they're in foster for and what the anticipated length of foster is. So you can decide if it's something that is, is... something that you're comfortable doing. So I know some people are a little, you know, oh my gosh, he's got a broken leg. I don't know if I can deal with that. Right. But it has really good instructions on what to do with them and what the expectations are. And then we also provide support to our fosters. So um, mm. we provide them with food and bedding and really? things like that. Yeah, so you know, awesome. it's, not, it's not for them to take on financial responsibility for these dogs at all or cats. Um, and we also provide medical, so they right. can make appointments for them to come in for rechecks. We also have emergencies, you know, on call at night. If there happens to be an emergency, they can get a hold of a veterinary, uh, veterinarian to see what the next steps are. So we really support our fosters wholeheartedly because we know how important they are for our organization and for getting these pets into loving homes. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love that kind of stuff. Um, and do you just take in then... You know, dogs and kittens and cats, uh, do you get other species? We do, not very often. Um, then it's kind of fun for us when we get something different. Right, it kind of right. changes it up a little bit. Um, you know, we do do some small critters. So we'll have rabbits, guinea pigs, occasionally some rats. Um, we don't generally adopt out any other species. Um, you never know what's going to come in through mm-hmm. our field department. Um, so we've had some really off-the-wall kind of critters come through, uh, pigs, goats, oh, wow. um, tortoises. Uh, but we, what we do is we partner with local organizations who okay. specialize in those species to make sure that they're being housed correctly and is less 
stress for them as possible um, in order to make sure that they're comfortable while, while they're waiting to get into their new homes. Wow, that, that is fun. That is, and, and that's the, uh, outsourcing, you know, again, if, if it is a reptile and, you know, there's a herpetological society, you guys right. can definitely match them up with, you know, to get the proper attention because yeah. not all veterinarians know exotics, you know, so, so it's very, very, uh, very interesting because I'm sure you do see a lot of really, you know, sad cases, but there's many more happy cases. Uh, definitely. This is a huge village, a huge organization. Um, and it's, this is great. I'm glad you're par- part of it because you're, you're the perfect person definitely to be part of this. You know, you, you like this medicine and you're, you get rewards all the time. And that's the, that's the best part of doing this stuff. Yeah, I, I definitely love my job, and I can tell you that there's never a dull moment. Um, so that's, it keeps us on our toes, and, you know, and yeah, we have some really rough days, but they're surrounded by some really good days, too. So um, we, know that, we know that we're needed, and we just, we just keep, keep our head down and keep going through it. Right. So, you're, you know, you're saving lives. You're, uh, you're making better homes for, you know, for these pets. You're, you're making these bonds, and you're making a lot of people happy. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Melissa. This has been a wonderful show. Uh, it's a very good, uplifting show. So, and stay tuned, and hopefully next, uh, on our next section, we're going to do an episode of Pets and Pot. All right, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of Pet Panorama this week. Be sure to join Dr. Julie Mayer for another edition next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend with your best friend.